Can't sleep? Won't sleep? Afraid to sleep? Perhaps what you need is a story, a bedtime story, to lull you into the world of dreams, or maybe nightmares. Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in, make yourself comfortable, lay back, close your eyes, and let me tell you a story. Benjamin Franklin once observed that nothing is for certain except death and taxes. Never has a truism stood the test of time so successfully. Harold Potter is a man who lives a somewhat complicated life, mostly due to his unusual line of work. Today he discovers that not only are death and taxes certainties you cannot evade, they are sometimes inextricably linked. No one can escape the taxman, but the Grim Reaper is even more determined to exact his due, and when they team up, there's nowhere you can hide. Death and Taxes The bell tinkled. Felix looked up from the book he was reading to the front door of the small storefront office to see who had opened it and caused the small silver bell attached to the lintel to ring. This time of the year, the office was usually quiet. The big tax day rush had passed, and Felix wouldn't see any more customers until the deadline for those who had filed extensions was looming. The man who entered seemed cautious and confused. He was carrying a large cardboard box, presumably filled with W-2s, 1099s, and assorted receipts. He looked at Felix, then cast his gaze over the array of empty desks surrounding him. As the door swung shut, it caused the bell to tinkle again. The man looked up at the small silver dome hanging above the door approvingly. He coughed into his elbow as he scanned the parking lot in front of the office, as if checking to make sure no one had followed him. The stranger looked to be about thirty. His clothes were rumpled, his hair was messy, but his eyes were keen, sharp, and alert, constantly on a lookout for danger. He turned back toward Felix. Are you open? he asked. Yes, sir. We most definitely are. How can I help you? Felix closed his book and slid it into a drawer. Do you do taxes? We do. Have you filed an extension? I haven't. I've had a lot of personal stuff going on lately. I'm sorry to hear that, sir, Felix replied. I wasn't sure this was a tax place, he said. Why is that? Well, the name, Death and Taxes. I thought it was some clever marketing gimmick for a restaurant or a gift shop. I'm not sure I'd want to eat at a restaurant called Death and Taxes, Felix said. Nor would I, the man agreed. Then it's a good thing we help people do their taxes, and that you seem to have tax obligations that you need assistance with, Felix replied, nodding at the box tucked under one of the man's arms. Yes, I suppose it is. Though, if you did have any death-related matters, we could certainly help with that as well. You mean like probate or inheritance? The man asked. Something like that, Felix replied. The man stepped toward Felix's desk and placed the box on one corner. So, how do we get started? The man asked. Please, have a seat, Felix offered. The man sat, clearly uncomfortable. He looked around, casting furtive glances over his shoulder. Is there something wrong? Felix asked. No, the man answered. I just need to get out of town. I was hoping to get through this quickly. Well, that all depends on how complicated your return is, Felix said, eyeing the box on the corner of his desk. 
Let's get started with the basics. He turned toward his computer screen and poised his hands over his keyboard. Name? Harold Potter. Felix raised an eyebrow, but didn't make any Harry Potter remarks, much to Harold's obvious relief. Address? The accountant's hands flew over the keyboard as his newest client dictated his personal information. Do you have any W-2s? Felix asked. Harold grabbed the box and set it on his lap. He dug through the loose collection of documents, invoices, and cash register receipts, and handed over several loose sheets. Thank you, Felix said. He laid the forms out on his desk, then his right hand danced upon the numeric keypad, transferring the printed numbers on the paper form into the corresponding boxes on the computer screen. 1099s? Felix asked. Harold fished out several more forms from the box. Investments? Felix inquired. Not per se, Harold replied. Felix knew better than to press clients who were vague with their answers. His name would be on the form alongside the taxpayer, and potentially the IRS could call him in. But if he didn't knowingly do anything wrong, he wasn't criminally liable himself. So the less he knew about what the client didn't want anyone else to know, the better. The accountant guided Harold through the long series of forms, some answers to his questions, engendering the need to add even more forms to the return. But the computer kept track of it all and made sure all the requirements were being satisfied. It was a much better system than the old days when you had to leaf through hundreds of pages of instructions printed on flimsy newsprint. Now everything was cross-checked and up-to-date, and the company provided the very best software for Felix, and during the busy season, the other accountants. It took almost four hours for the diligent tax agent to make his way through the stack of papers Harold had brought in. Most of the time was spent categorizing expenses. Although Felix didn't pry into things that his clients wanted to keep private, anything they placed in front of him received his full and proper scrutiny. That said, he didn't mind getting creative at times, but always within the letter of the IRS regulations. The whole time, Harold would occasionally cast a glance toward the door, and a few times he got up to get a better view of the activity in the parking lot outside. Finally, Felix arrived at the final number. $7,454, he announced. Harold seemed surprised. Wow, I've never gotten a refund that big before. I should come here every year. Felix grimaced. He had made this mistake in the past, assuming that his client knew the general direction in which their tax liability lie. But obviously Harold was oblivious to the fact that his earnings far exceeded his withholding and deductions. I'm sorry. That's $7,454 that you owe. What? You owe the IRS $7,454. Harold's eyes widened at the news. He tried to speak but started coughing instead. After a fit that lasted more than a few seconds, Harold cleared his throat and stared at Felix incredulous. <clears throat> that can't be. I got a $300 refund last year. Yes, well, it appears that most of your income this past year was from your Schedule C activities which, as you know, is money earned from self-employment. Unfortunately, that means you're responsible for both portions of the Social Security withholding, as well as the Medicare and state and federal taxes. And your W-2 income was withheld at a rate assuming more exemptions than you qualify for. So you were a little light on that end as well. Plus penalties for being late. $7,000, Harold said, reclining in his seat. $7,454, Felix reminded him. But no sense. The IRS rounds everything to the nearest dollar. That's nice of them. Yes, it is, Felix agreed. I'll be honest with you. I don't have that kind of money in cash. I've been a little strapped lately. I was hoping I was going to walk out of here with a check. I'm sorry, Mr. Porter, but the figures don't lie. No, no, I'm not saying they do. I know you did your best. It's my fault for not staying on top of things. So what's the bottom line? What happens if I don't pay? 
there will be interest in more penalties that accrue. It can add up quite rapidly. I can imagine. Felix sat back and folded his hands in his lap while he allowed Harold to soak in the bad news. He didn't think it was the right time to explain that the total did not include the fee for his time and services. So, Harold began, any suggestions? Felix paused. The question was inevitable. They all asked it, the ones who owed more than they expected or could afford. He did have a suggestion, but after the recent tax day rush, he was hoping he could have a break from engaging in the other side of the business. Well, sir, as you noted, the name of our establishment is Death and Taxes. Yes, almost too clever, Harold replied. It's not so much clever as a simple description that is inclusive of another service we offer, in addition to helping you fill out your tax forms. Harold appeared curious. What service would that be? Death, Felix replied. Death? <coughs> Harold asked, punctuating his question with another cough. Yes, death, Felix confirmed. Harold looked at the accountant for a moment, then smiled and started laughing. <laughs> you got me there. That's very good. Death, of course. No, seriously, do you have some sort of payment plan or personal loan service? No, we don't, sir. Just the death thing. Oh, now it's a death thing. In a matter of speaking. Harold noticed that Felix was not laughing or even smiling. That cool, calm, emotionless number cruncher's exterior had not been breached. He leaned toward Felix. I'm afraid I'm not following you. What exactly do you mean by death thing? Well, to put it simply, in exchange for the funds you require, we get a portion of your life. My what? Your life. We effectively shorten it, bringing you that much closer to death. Hence, the death thing. I can't tell if you're joking, Harold replied. Oh, I don't joke. In fact, I've been told I have no sense of humor at all, Felix insisted. I believe you, Harold said. So what is this, one of those hidden TV camera shows? Is Howie Mandel going to pop out from behind that door and shout, Gotcha? No, Howie Mandel does not work here. <laughs> Boy, you weren't kidding about not having a sense of humor, Harold observed. We do have a Margaret Mandel bomb at the home office. Forget Howie Mandel. How does this taking part of my life work, assuming I actually believe you can do it? Oh, I assure you we can. We do it all the time. You simply sign a contract stating that the last however many days, months, or years which are required to settle your debt will be subtracted from the end of your life. What's the catch? Catch, sir? Am I selling my soul to the devil or something like that? Oh, no. We have no fiduciary relationship with the devil. Your soul remains yours, and that matter will be settled in whatever manner suits the life you've led. We just take a little bit off the end of your life. And what do you do with it? Harold asked. Do with it? Yes, these days, months, or years that you claim. What do you do with them? I'm sure I don't know, sir. I just arranged the paperwork. You must have some idea, Harold pressed. Not in the least. Not my department, Felix asserted. Would you like to know how much of your life would be required to satisfy your tax debt, along with our firm's fees for services? Harold sat back again. Sure, why not? How many years would I have to give up? Felix spun around and removed a cover from an odd-looking adding machine resting on the credenza behind him. He lifted the machine and placed it in the center of his blotter, nudging the computer keyboard aside as he did so. He started entering numbers, after which he pulled a lever attached to the side of the machine, which caused a roll of paper to advance, revealing a long list of digits. After a few minutes of tapping and pulling, Felix ripped the paper off from the back of the machine and inspected the final number. Five months, seven days, he announced. Harold seemed surprised again, only this time pleasantly so. That's it? No hours, minutes, or seconds? 
Like the IRS, we like to round off our calculations. That does simplify things. Yes, sir. So let me get this straight, Harold said, placing his hands on the desk and sitting upright. I agree to give up the last few months of my life, when I'm likely incontinent, impotent, and senile, and you take care of my tax bill. And the fees for our services, yes, Mr. Potter. Harold considered. Okay, where do I sign? You seem very eager. I urge you to take some time to consider the implications of this deal, Felix cautioned. Well, the truth is, I've got nothing to lose. I walked in here hoping to get my taxes done so I could get some quick cash. You see, my Schedule C income, which you so artfully classified as consulting services, is more of an independent contractor situation. I don't need to know this, sir. Held ignored Felix's protestation. I'm what's called in the common parlance a hitman, and my boss has a very unique way of maintaining a certain level of quality in his contractors. Every couple of years, he hires a whole new staff and gives each one of us veterans a contract on one of the new guys, and the new guys, or gals, gets a contract on one of us. Whoever survives gets the job. He must save a lot of money on retirement plans. Harold smiled. Indeed. The thing is, you never know when he's going to spring these surprise evaluations on us. So at this very moment, there's a young, hungry hitman looking to take my life and my job. My current financial situation put me at a disadvantage. I was hoping to make a few purchases to aid my counter-assassination efforts. But your deal provides me with an alternate way to resolve my current situation. How so? Felix asked. If I am to be felled by this rookie, then when I sign your contract, I should just drop dead, since he's likely to kill me in the next five days rather than months. But if I'm ultimately to succeed and survive, I won't. That's quite an interesting notion, the accountant said. Exactly. So, even though I didn't get what I expected, you may be able to provide me with something I need. Where do I sign? Felix pulled the appropriate form from a desk drawer and filled in the necessary fields. He marked the signature line with an X and spun the document around for Harold to sign, offering a pen. I don't have to sign in blood or anything? Harold asked. No, sir. Black ink will do. Harold took the pen and scribbled his name at the bottom of the document. He put the pen down, then stared at Felix, part of him expecting to simply expire. But he didn't. There was no heart attack or stroke or assassin's bullet piercing his brain. He simply coughed once again. <clears throat> there you go, Harold said, satisfied. The bell over the front door tinkled. Harold hit the ground. A gun fired, and a bullet zipped through the air where he had been sitting a fraction of a second earlier and slammed into a desk lamp, shattering its glass frame and bulb. Felix sat perfectly still, watching as the man with a contract on Harold Potter's life entered the office. He fired several more shots at the floor in front of Felix's desk, but the hitman was gone. A look of fear crossed the younger man's face, soon thereafter replaced by an expression of surprise, as a bullet found its way into his neck, then a second one pierced his forehead. The man dropped to the ground. Hale arose from his hiding place, holding his gun on the fallen assassin. He walked up to the body and put three more bullets into the corpse's chest, then slid his weapon into his concealed holster. He crossed back to Felix's desk and picked up the box of receipts and tax forms. Sorry about the mess. Not at all, sir. We have people for just such an occasion, Felix replied. He peered at the dead man laying in the middle of the office, his blood soaking into the carpet. Well, pleasure doing business with you. Harold turned toward the front door. Mr. Potter, Felix said. Harold turned around. Yes? I couldn't help but notice that several of your receipts were of a medical nature and somewhat recent. 
As if to answer, Harold coughed. Just a persistent cough I've been battling. Probably allergies. I also couldn't help but notice that your clothes are a little loose. Have you been losing weight? A little, Harold confessed. What are you getting at? Well, one of my co-workers had similar symptoms a couple of years ago. It turned out he had stage four lung cancer. I'm sure it's nothing serious, the hitman said confidently as he headed for the door. Of course, sir. Have a nice day, Felix said. Then he added, It's just, at the time he was finally diagnosed, the doctors told him he had only five months to live. Harold turned back and looked at Felix and smiled. I'm fine, he said confidently. Thanks again for your help. (coughs) He coughed into his elbow, but noticed a few dark red specks on his sleeve. We're here to serve, Felix replied, as he typed out a quick requisition on his computer for a crew to come and collect two bodies. Harold took three more steps toward the front door, then dropped to his knees and died. Thank you for listening to Death and Taxes, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on Audible and share these stories with your friends and anyone who enjoys audiobooks. Speaking of audiobooks, if you're a fan of the paranormal, Near Death, A Rainy Day Investigation is currently being serialized on this very podcast. New chapters are posted weekly. And if you're looking for other original story podcasts, check out As Read By Me at, not surprisingly, asreadbyme.com. They have an eclectic mix of fiction, poetry, and essays that are sure to keep you entertained, all read by the authors. You can find out more about this podcast and the author of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs at richhosek.com. Thanks again, and all the very best.